0: Chapter eight of Miss Crispini This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Miss Crispini by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter eight I will tell you the truth for once but how was it the very next night when he dropped in to see mrs d'espard and surprised the siren reading a letter of miss clarissa's and reading it in the strangest of moods reading it with a pale face and heavy wet lashes she did not pretend to hide the traces of her mental disturbance she did not condescend to take the trouble she evidently resented his appearance as untimely but she greeted him with indifferent composure mrs despard will come down as soon as she hears that you are here she said and then proceeded to fold the letter and replace it in its envelope and thus he saw that it bore the penelin postmark what did such a whim as this mean he asked himself impatiently taking in at a glance the new expression in her face and the heaviness of her gloomy eyes this was not one of her tricks there was no one here to see her and even if there had been what end could she serve by crying over a letter from penelin what on earth had she been crying for he had never seen her shed a tear before in his life he had often thought that such a thing was impossible she was so hard could it be that she was not really so hard after all and that those three innocent old women could reach her heart but the next minute he laughed at the absurdity of the idea and lisbeth chancing to raise her eyes and coolly fixing them on his face at that moment saw his smile. What is the matter? she asked. A demon took possession of him at once. What if he should tell her, and see how she would answer? They knew each other. Why should they keep up this pretense of being nothing but ordinary acquaintances, with no unpleasant little drama behind? I was thinking what an amusing blunder I had been on the verge of making, he said. She did not answer, but still kept her eyes fixed upon him i was trying to account for your sadness on the same grounds that i would account for sadness in another woman i was almost inclined to believe that something in your letter had touched your heart as it might have touched Georgie esmond's but i checked myself in time you checked yourself in time she said slowly that was a good thing there was a brief silence during which he felt that as usual he had gained nothing by his sarcasm and then suddenly she held out her mite of a hand with miss clarissa's letter in it rather taking him aback would you like to read it she said suppose you do aunt clarissa is an old friend of yours she speaks of you as affectionately as ever he could not comprehend the look she wore when she said this it was a queer calculating look and had a meaning of its own but it was a riddle he could not read take it she said seeing that he hesitated i mean what i say i want you to read it all it may do you good so feeling uncomfortable enough he took it and before he had read two pages it had affected him just as lisbeth had intended that it should the worst of us must be touched by pure unselfish goodness miss clarissa's simple affectionate outpourings to her dear lisbeth were something pathetic in their way she was so grateful for the tenderness of their dear girl's last letter so sweet-tempered were her ready excuses for its rather late arrival her kind old heart was plainly so wholly dedicated to the perfections of the dear girl in question that by the time anstruthers had reached the conclusion of the epistle he found himself indescribably softened in mind though he really could not have told why he did not think that he had softened toward lisbeth herself but it was true nevertheless that he had softened toward her in a secretly puzzled way lisbeth had risen from her seat and was standing before him when he handed back the letter and she met his eyes just as she had done before they are very fond of me you see she said they even believe that i have real affection for them they think i am capable of it just as georgie esmond does poor georgie poor aunt clarissa poor aunt millicent For everybody indeed and she suddenly ended and turned away from him toward the fire but in a minute more she spoke again i wonder if i am capable of it she said i wonder if i am he could only see her side face but something in her tone roused him to a vehement reply god knows he said i do not i do not understand you and never shall she turned to him abruptly then and let him see her whole face, pale, with a strange excited pallor, her eyes wide and sparkling and wet. That is true, she said. You do not understand. I do not understand myself. But—well, I have told you lies enough before when it has suited me. Now I will tell you the truth for once. Your blunder was not such a blunder after all. My heart has been touched, just as a better woman's might have been." almost as georgie's might have been and this letter touched it this effusion of poor aunt clarissa's and that was why i was crying when you came into the room why i am crying now and having made this unlooked-for confession she walked out of the room just as mrs despard came in on his next visit to his friends the esmonds mr anstruthers found the pretty head of the lovely miss georgie full of a new project had he not heard the news she was going to pennellyn with lisbeth and they were to stay with the misses tregarthen miss clarissa had written the kindest letter the dearest most affectionate letter as affectionate as if she had known her all her life wasn't it delightful so much nicer you know than going to some stupid fashionable place said miss georgie with bright eyes and the brightest of fresh roses on her cheeks not that i am so ungrateful as to abuse poor old brighton and the rest but this will be something new and new things are always better than old ones suggested anstruthers some new things always are answered georgie with spirit new virtues for instance are better than old follies new resolutions to be charitable instead of old tendencies to be harsh new i give it up interposed hector and i will agree with you i always agree with you georgie in a softer tone the poor pretty face bloomed into blush-rose color and the sweet eyes met his with innocent trouble not always said georgie you don't agree with me when i tell you that you are not as good as you ought to be as you might be if you would try am i such a bad fellow then drawing nearer to her ah georgie etc etc until in fact he wandered off in spite of himself into that most dangerous ground of which i have already spoken actually within the last few days the idea had occurred to him that perhaps possibly just possibly he would not be going so far wrong if he let himself drift into a gentle passion for georgie perhaps after all he could give her a better love than he had ever given to lisbeth crespini it would be a quieter love was not a man's second love always quieter than the first and at the same time was it not always more endurable and deep but perhaps he could make it a love worthy of her mind you he was not shallow or coarse enough to think that anything would do any mock sentiment any semblance of affection it was only that he longed to anchor himself somehow and admired and trusted this warm-souled young creature so earnestly that he instinctively turned toward her she was far too good for him he told himself and it was only her goodness that could help her to overlook his many faults but perhaps she would overlook them and perhaps in time out of the ashes of that wretched passion of his youth might arise a phoenix fair enough to be worthy of her womanhood so he was something more tender and so his new tenderness showed itself in his handsome face and in a certain regret that he was to lose what peneline and the mrs tregarthen were to gain will you let me come to see you he asked at last will you-but there he stopped remembering lisbeth how would she like such a plan why should you not said georgie with a pleased blush i have heard you say that the misses tregarthen have asked you again and again and they seem so fond of you and i am sure mamma and papa would be quite glad if you would run down and look at us and then run back and tell them all the news and as to lisbeth lisbeth never objects to anything i think she likes you well enough when you are good come by all means and she seemed to regard his proposition as so natural and pleasant that he had no alternative but to profess to regard it as such himself, and so it was agreed upon that in course of time he should follow them to Penelope. End of chapter 8